Welcome to the La Dolce Vita Show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. My name is Heather Pickin, and I am here to give you that winning formula so that you can get clear on your vision, stay true to your values, and break through those mental walls. Check out my free resources at heatherpickin.com. This podcast is brought to you by Fierce Femme Wine, a woman's wine that inspires dialogue for change. Visit fiercefemme.com. So let's get ready as we uncover the formula to your success in business, career, and fabulous life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the La Dolce Vita Show, where I help you to break down the formula on what it takes to be a fearless woman in the world today. And I want to welcome my guest, uh, Petra Beltzabor. Hopefully, I pronounced your name well done. correctly. <laughs> and, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, obviously breaking through your fear, really using that as a catalyst and how that can really transform any area of our, our business and our life. Um, Petra, tell us a little bit about yourself. I see you're in the bio, you're a mental health consultant, psychotherapist, and executive uh, coach, and you also have your uh, own podcast show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Heather. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm a mental health consultant. I've been working in that space probably for a decade now. Uh, things here in, in sort of London and the UK, we're really talking about mental health in a bigger way, especially as far as it relates to work. But also in the last seven, eight months, I've completely jumped into my own business uh, from, from working in a safe job beforehand. Um, and so I definitely relate to all of the things as far as fear, needing to push through it, uh, and just trying to uh, follow the dream as a woman, uh, no matter what sort of conditioning or anything else is out there. That's a bit about me. Awesome. Then so, I know everyone, like you don't do this work without having your own story, like breaking through your own fear. So what, what have you perceived in your life? Uh, the, the biggest catalyst, like really pushing you to what you're doing today. Absolutely. I'm, I'm fascinated by whether we do need kind of rock bottom moments, as I refer to them, to act as our catalyst, or whether we can just come up with all of that magic ourselves. I have definitely had a couple of rock bottoms myself. Um, and so I guess it started with me not having the right cards in life, or that's definitely how I felt uh, it was at the beginning. Uh, when I just felt really like I didn't have the, the sort of right start. So I was raised in, uh, born and raised in a religious cult. Uh, so we, we traveled the world. We lived, think hippie communes, think a real alternative lifestyle. Uh, but our parents kind of only prepared us for that track. So they expected that we would fall into their footsteps growing up. So it was really challenging when as a teenager and, and a young adult, I was pregnant at 23 and just didn't have a rule book for how to live in what we might call the real world. Uh, specifically because I didn't have an education either. That was one of the sort of traits within this, the, these sort of communes was the school of life rather than formal education. So regardless of what we think about education systems, it certainly made me feel like I had absolutely uh, no starting point. I thought everyone was 20 steps ahead of me as far as doing the things that they wanted to do. Uh, this led to alcohol addiction and just spiraling out, really, because I didn't know who I was or how to move my life forward. 
uh, and definitely led to several rock bottom moments. Uh, and it was in those rock bottoms that I realized I had two choices. I remember one day as if it was yesterday, waking up and, and staring at the ceiling and just thinking, I need this day to end before it had even begun. And it was at that point that I realized that I did have a choice. Uh, and that was either, uh, what I actually did was I gave myself a secret deadline. So I gave myself a one year deadline to end my life. It was a secret deadline. And I thought, okay, let me give me, I can survive anything for one year. Let me uh, practice and learn and observe and try and teach myself from things that, such as you're doing, uh, podcasts and YouTube and started going to school and all the rest of it, just to figure out how to hack this thing called happiness and fulfillment. Uh, and I guess the rest is history because it set me on this purposeful path and I looked after myself in so many ways. And then I thought, I've amassed a wealth of information. I've, I've uh, qualified as a therapist and a coach. I did a master's degree at night while raising two kids and working full time. Um, and I just realized that more people, I wish that I'd had some of this knowledge well beforehand, that no matter what hand of cards that you've been dealt, uh, you can do anything that you want, really. Wow, what a crazy story, being in the world <laughs> and, cult and uh, you know, not really knowing who you are. And I, I feel like a lot of times women get into that place. I mean, they don't have to be in a cult, but it, it, it's just like they get into relationships or businesses or maybe in the workplace and they, they feel frustrated and they don't, they don't have a sense of who they are and they don't give themselves permission to be who they can really be. So let, let's talk about, you know, how you can really, number one, know who you are and, and break through that, that moment of fear. Like, like you're, you're feeling so conflicted, but yet there's something else on the other side. So what would you recommend? Well, I, first of all, I don't think it's realistic for all of us to have the perfect picture of what it's going to look like. So yes, it's great to visualize the end of the road and say, I want to be all of these things. But if your confidence is really low or you're pleasing other people, or for me, I just wanted to be as normal as possible. So I married the most normal person I could find and tried to be the perfect sort of uh, a wife, uh, mother, and all the rest of it, secretly kind of dying on the inside. So it took a real long process for me to really slowly show up in the world and show bits of myself to people first, kind of testing it, and, and then on bigger and bigger stages. And now I speak and do keynotes in front of thousands of people. Um, now that didn't happen overnight. And the thing about fear is I think, I think it's Brené Brown who said, sometimes you just gotta do it afraid, you know? And so it isn't about sorting out all the fear stuff or all the confidence stuff and then doing the thing. What it's really about is showing up every day and doing one little thing that scares you or pushes you out of your comfort zone. And over time, this has a cumulative effect. And just think if you do one thing a day that's slightly out of your comfort zone, that's 365 things a year, uh, and times that by 10 years, and your whole life trajectory can be totally different. So I think action rather than theorizing can often be the great place to build the, the muscle of courage. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. I, I think a lot of times too, we, we look at fear as this bad thing, but we can actually use it to our advantage and, and you know, just being able to empower ourselves. So when you're working um, with clients, uh, what, what are some of the biggest breakthroughs that you have seen as a result of, you know, your kind of philosophy, taking it one step at a time? 
um, the biggest breakthrough is simply realizing that you can do things that you didn't think you could do. And that's by building up your own evidence base, not by somebody telling you that you can. It's all good and well for me to say, yes, just break through it and do all these things, right? Um, it's another thing if I just challenge you with a bit of accountability and say, you know, what, what, what are the things that you want to do? How can you start by just observing your life and looking for the opportunities to get out of your comfort zone? And that doesn't necessarily mean public speaking or some of these big things that people are scared of. It can mean the act of vulnerability in talking to your partner or your kids or your friend or your boss or, you know, uh, and, and just saying, hey, this is the real me. This is who I really am and practicing authenticity on a day to day basis. Um, one of the things that really empowered me and it seems really simple, but was that question, what do I want? Because as a woman, I'd actually never, ever ask myself that question. It was always based on what do my kids need? It was like needs and shoulds, right? So what do other people need? What do I need even in order to help other people? We have this sort of uh, gift giving thing. Um, and I realized then that I could actually have what I wanted and be fulfilled and give back. It was like an, an and, not an either or. And that was pretty revolutionary for me because that set me on the path to divorce, which might not be for everybody, but for me, it was what I needed to do to be my full authentic self. Bloody scary. Um, because it was moving from commune to married to completely being independent. And it's, that has been another catalyst that has just kind of pivoted me into moving further and further into a successful way of being. So things like adversity, suffering even, pain, I now just have switched my perspective somewhat to be like, ooh, this is hard, I wonder what's on the other side, you know, to have a bit of curiosity and excitement about the tough stuff. I love that because it really is about perspective. You know, it's like whatever you're uh, looking at or perceiving in your awareness, it's really not good or bad unless you're creating judgment on it. So I, I you know, a story like yours, it's like, wow, if you can get through that, you can get through anything. Well, exactly. And the more you do things differently, the more evidence base that you have. And at the beginning, it can feel hard because you're like, I can't do it. I have no evidence that it's possible. And that's when it's a bit of that leap of faith thing, or you've got to get the coach or the therapist or the friend or someone who can believe in you for you. Uh, but over time, you can look back and go, look, I've got evidence that every time I experience failure in some way, uh, it didn't kill me. You know, we do the fight flight thing of like, oh, save ourselves. You know, we've got to look after ourselves. And you build up that evidence base and then the next challenges and the next challenges, you go, well, you know, nothing bad happened the last time or I learned from it or I grew. So, so what's going to stop me from sort of doing anything? Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. I want to go back to what you said earlier about uh, women in particular, like you, you mentioned about uh, getting clear, getting clear on what you want and, and knowing um, that you can give yourself permission to do that. So uh, what, do you, what do you see a lot of problems today with women in the workplace or women in the business also having a family? I'd say playing small is the, the catch-all phrase. So, so playing small under somebody else's or our perceived idea of what somebody else thinks we should be. Um, so playing small is, is probably the biggest one. The two questions that I ask the most within coaching or some of the consultancy work that I do is, if fear didn't exist, what would you be doing? If guilt didn't exist, what would you be doing? Just to break out of the, 
you know, the, the, the norms and the conditioning that, because it's often fear and guilt, I find, that are the underlying sort of emotions that stop women specifically from doing the thing that they really could do. So if you answer those two questions, like if you've got a problem and you're like, I don't know what to do, I'm weighing it up based on all these things. And you ask yourself those two questions. So if fear didn't exist, what would I be doing? And often that's your clue of how to play big rather than small. And if guilt didn't exist, what would I be doing? And, that, and then I just go, guilt is pretty much a made up emotion. It doesn't serve any purpose. So, and then we start mapping out and thinking about life under those terms. And it's exciting. Like the whole, the whole landscape can change then. Absolutely. You know, and I work with women a lot that, you know, they might have those issues. And if they're not focusing or following their own formula, they start creating illness and disease in their body. It's like a feedback to their conscious mind to, to get them to wake up. So when okay. you are working with women that are kind of oscillating back and forth, do you find that because you're coaching them, uh, that you're that you're able to guide them through so that they can kind of see, yeah, this is kind of crazy. I'm not choosing myself. Absolutely. Um, but equally, they've got to go at their own pace. So in, in my podcast, Adversity to Advantage, we think about that catalyst point. And sometimes people aren't ready to hear the thing. If we think about domestic abuse relationships or addiction, you know, sometimes we're not ready to hear the thing. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't say it and we shouldn't act as the catalyst because it's a seed that, that can be planted, that can, can show up. Um, and so I, I, I remain patient. I trust that it's their journey, not mine. And my part is simply to give them information. I want to touch back onto the element around family and around children. Uh, and there was a time as a parent that I wanted to do the protect my kids from everything thing, you know, which is stressful. Uh, and it means you can never get it right because we can't protect them from everything. But on my journey of learning about resilience and adversity, I actually understood fully that we our kids need a bit of resilient uh, adversity in order to build their resilience. And that allowed me to kind of step back as a parent and just think, actually, I'm here to support you emotionally when you need me to, but not to do everything for you. And in this world of, you know, 70% more children and young people are experiencing mental health issues. A lot of that is because they're not given opportunity to build resilience. But the best way to teach them is to model it ourselves. We can't tell them to go and do certain things if we're not showing up in the world. And I've got a daughter and I've got a son, but there's this connection of, what are we teaching our daughters as, and, and through our example, not just through what we're saying? Mm, it, it's so true. Uh, I know growing up when uh, I, I perceived a lot of challenges. So having a learning disorder, uh, just feeling like everything was hard for me. And I actually embraced those challenges. I'm so glad that I had those. So I, I think what you're saying is important. It's like we're living in a world now that I, I sometimes find for especially kids, it's, it's a little bit more challenging to navigate around those things if you don't have the tools. So we have to be the tools, we have to model it for uh, our kids, absolutely. Um, let, let's talk about um, you know, this whole idea, because I truly don't believe that you can be happy 100% of the day. You know, it's, just, it's just unrealistic. We, we're human beings, we have feelings. So how do you, what, what's your philosophy in navigating around this, this kind of um, idea like, oh yeah, you just have to be happy or what happens when there is something that, that is negative in your life and, and how do you yeah. deal with that? So I chase fulfillment. 
personally. If you talk about personal philosophy, I chase fulfillment rather than happiness. I think if you chase fulfillment, uh, that gives you the conditions where happiness is likely to occur more frequently. Um, and that's good enough for me. Uh, but also we've got to learn to, especially as women, um, embrace our full selves. So, so things like anger, uh, aren't usually okay. We've got to do the, the perfectly balanced, uh, you know, communication and we might be allowed to be upset, but anger is not an okay emotion. Um, and it's not just about anger, but it's going that actually we're a full range of emotions and we're a full person that can express so many things and giving ourselves permission to deal with the pain and the sadness. And I think it's about self-awareness more than anything, self-awareness, growth and fulfillment. Those are the things that I look for. Uh, and, and then I'm more likely to experience great joy. And I think, it, again, it's Brené Brown, I'm obviously obsessed these days, um, that talks about when we numb pain, we're also numbing joy. Um, because we numb a lot. We numb through, through Netflix, our glass of wine a night, our, 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 our moaning and complaining, uh, avoid anything that helps us avoid shopping, like sex, all of these things that help us um, avoid what we're really feeling. Um, and it's, it's when I'm feeling uh, pain, loneliness, uh, all of those sorts of things, I go, well, I've also got the capacity for full unbridled joy. And I can walk down the street and just feel so excited and joyful uh, about my independence and about all the thinking big things that are, that are now coming to fruition in my life. Mm, I, I love that too. What you're saying is that as women, we really need to give ourselves permission to experience all of the emotions, not feel guilty. I think there's a different, uh, you know, viewpoint when we're, especially if we're looking at very powerful uh, female CEOs or male CEOs, it, it's almost okay. I think in the paradigm today for men to have their temper tantrums, right? But if a woman does it, then, you know, there's something wrong with, with her, right? So, so what is your suggestion on, on how to resolve that, that issue, that worldview issue? Well, and then the other thing is that when women work in a man's world, so to speak, they feel like they've got to behave like men in order to fit in. I also want to show up that the flip side is true, that men don't feel like it's okay to show vulnerable emotions. So there, there's another side as well. Um, I think we need like the self-awareness thing and learning. I think you've, you've done a podcast recently about intuition, connecting to our own voice and who we are, however we might do that. Um, some ways are connecting with, with authentic people that we can be our full selves with, um, exercise, looking after ourselves. All of these things can allow us to separate our thoughts and what we want and how we want to be from the conditioning and society's way and even our friends with the best intentions of, in the world uh, and, and the, the way that they want us to be. And a question that I'll often ask myself in my morning routine is, who do I want to be today? So it allows me to reflect not just on what I want to do. Those are easy. My to-do list is long, right? Um, those, those are easy. How, how do I achieve? It's like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up in the world? What, how, what integrity do I want to have? Um, how do I want to communicate? What vulnerability, empathy, but also strength, power, uh, uh, directness, all of the things that will allow me to do the things that I want to do. But cultivating that sense of being uh, and a confidence that, our unique self, adversity, and all of that, and accepting all parts of us can really allow us to, to shine and to, I know that sounds a little bit cheesy, but like my life now is so amazing. Uh, the opportunities I'm getting are so amazing. And I know that's because I've cultivated my own joy, my own acceptance in my past, 
and complete authenticity about who I am because it's hiding away in shame that um, makes the problem bigger than it is because we kind of think, we do the comparing thing, we do the Instagram, everyone else has six packs and I don't after a <laughs> month of giving birth or all sorts of crazy stuff, right? But um, cultivating our own inner confidence and that might mean letting go of some toxic friends occasionally and uh, nurturing friendships that we can be authentic and challenge each other. Mm, I, I love that, Petra. So many golden nuggets of, of information. And before we go today, where can we learn about you and your work? Of course, yes. Yeah. So my website is my name, PetraBelzebor.com. Don't only do coaching. I do less of that, actually. I do more keynote speaking and specifically helping companies, women and men, think about uh, burnout, think about their mental health, and think about strategi strategically, if I can speak correctly, create cultural change within their businesses. I love that. Petra, thank you so much thank for you. being my guest today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And everyone can learn more about Petra. I'll have that in the show notes. Until next time, realize uh, that, that fear is your friend. Start embracing it and creating the life that you absolutely love. Until next time, this is Heather Pickin. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Interested in becoming a sponsor or learning more about leadership for women's performance using neuroscience or business coaching, contact support at heatherpickin.com. And don't forget to grab my latest book, The La Dolce Vita Formula, by going to fearlessandfabulousbook.com. That's fearlessandfabulousbook.com.